0: Welcome to the Mesa Chamber of Commerce Inside Business Podcast. My name is Sally Harrison. I'm the CEO of the Mesa Chamber of Commerce. Today we're in the University of Phoenix Podcast Studio. And joining me as today's guest is Chief Mary Kamelli with Mesa Fire and Medical. Hi, Sally. Thank Hi. you. Thank you for having me back. Oh, we're so glad you're here. We love talking to you.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks so much. There's this is a real treat so for me. So much going on. Absolutely. Never yeah. a dull moment.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, let's talk about what's going to happen in 2020. What, what you guys are up to and all the new things that are, that are happening. Um, I've got a bunch of questions. Absolutely. Okay. Throw them at me.
1: All I'll right. answer the best I can here.
0: <laughs> uh, what programs are provided by Mesa Fire and Medical to mentor teenagers in our community?
1: You know, we do have a few programs out there, you know, trying to reaching the younger population for, for a couple of reasons, letting these young folks know what's available to them as they get older. Some people don't know that firefighting is an option for them, sure. especially young girls. Mm-hmm. They don't even think of that as an option sometimes. Right. So... It's so important for us as an organization to reach out to these young kids to see what we do, understand what the fire department does, but also to let them know these are options for them as careers when they become right. adults. Uh, one of the programs that we've started just probably four years ago was the Aspire Academy. And this oh, was, uh, it. yeah, it's, it's such a neat thing. It's, we're, it's a partnership with the Girl Scouts mm-hmm. and we have these young, and it's for police and fire. Actually, we have these young high school girls. Uh, they put in for it through the Girl Scouts mm-hmm. and we, they come to our academy and we have one police day, one fire day, and a day that day they they do both activities. And when I say police day and fire day, we actually put them through some drills and exercises that police officers and firefighters do to expose them to this career. That's great. And it's such a neat thing. It's three days. It's usually during spring break time. Mm-hmm. And we usually, last time we had about 35 girls there. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, it says a lot about these young ladies that want to spend their spring break at our academy <laughs> with us. And so then these young girls see, and the ones that run it are, me, are uh, females, female police officers and firefighters from all over the Valley, that come and help with this. So these young girls get to meet folks in this profession, Uh and then we can hook them up as mentors. If they are interested in pursuing a career in either, we connect them with a mentor, and they have mentors that way.
0: That's awesome. So you said it's called the Aspire Academy? Aspire Academy. And I assume that you can find that online information Absolutely.
1: It's online, and, uh, again, it's a partnership with the Girl Scouts that helps us with that.
0: That's it. a really great program. We
1: do have one, another one, too, our cadet program. And we've been doing the cadet program for a while now. And this one has it's, it's kids between like 13 and 18. Mm-hmm. When they become 18, then they can go into what is called our connector program, which I'll explain later. But mm-hmm. these young kids that get exposed to our career at very young ages again, and we have about 80 to 100 kids that sign up for this and they're from all over the valley. That's awesome. And it's a regional it's really a regional cadet program Uh that we have help from all over the region to help us with these young kids. It just exposes them to these careers. Give these kids something to do Uh on some downtime and to really help them open up their expand their minds into options that are out there.
0: That's great. Talk about so really changing gears here, but talk about um what type of support system is there to help our firefighters and their families with such a
1: stressful job? I appreciate you asking that question. Firefighting is very stressful. I mean, we get to do a lot of really uh, neat things every day, but every day our firefighters are out there, they truly make a difference in people's lives. Right. And they see when a family's going through a traumatic event, firefighters see the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and we see it through many families' lives many times a day. Right. And so to take care of our firefighters, we're very conscientious today, and most people are, about their physical health. Something that's really important to us too is number one, your mental health and your emotional health. Mm -hmm. So we have a very, very good peer support team uh, that we have expanded over the years. And so our firefighters, they have people to talk to so... you know you you talk to your crew on a regular basis and sure. things like that. But to reach out to have someone that has a little more expertise in the area, mm-hmm. we're not counselors. right. But our peer support members really have they understand what they're going through. Mm-hmm. They live it themselves, and they are th- just there for each other. as well as as what the city offers with EAP and things like that, mm-hmm. they've really helped in those lines too, of having a lot of support out there for our firefighters. Based on what they see every day and have to live every day. Right. And they do they do a great job with it. And sometimes firefighters in the beginning, it's really hard for them to admit this that was difficult sure. because this is what we do. But our firefighters are human. People. Yeah. And and so We are trying to get it so people are very comfortable reaching out and saying, hey, I need to talk to somebody about this call. You know, this was that really hit me hard. And so Mm -hmm. uh, kudos to them. I think that people are getting more and more comfortable utilizing our peer support group who are really out there for our firefighters because we want them to lead long, healthy careers during their career and even after their careers when they retire. Right.
0: Well, okay. So along those lines, uh, there's been a lot in the news lately about uh, our firefighters with cancer. Yes. Uh, what's the fire department doing today to reduce cancer exposure in firefighters?
1: Another great question, Sally. Thank I, you. I, I tell you, um, cancer is a bit, right now we're we're impacted directly. Three of our firefighters today mm-hmm. have have been diagnosed with cancer in the last year, mm-hmm. and so it really hits home to us. But this has been going on across the valley too. And we have really done things different now than we used to do. Uh, Before, we used to have our turnouts, uh, bring them inside. They used to be right by your bed. So as soon as you got a call, you put your turnouts on. Well, now, over the years, we're learning that there's so many carcinogens that are just trapped in your gear Mm -hmm. because you use your gear, you go on fires. And so now we're doing some things like we have two sets of gear every firefighter in Mesa has two sets of gear. So as soon as they have a a major fire where their gear is just saturated, Mm -hmm. they take them in to be cleaned and they exchange it for their second set. So now they have a clean set of gear Uh to wear. Same thing with helmets. It used to be a badge of honor. The dirtier your helmet was, (laughs) you know, but now we know all that soot and all that those carcinogens you're breathing in every day. So now we make sure that they clean their helmets. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, uh, we're being really conscientious about even in the in the trucks now, we're starting to do what's called the clean cab concept. Uh-huh. And, and exactly what that is, is our trucks, right now, how most of our trucks are outfitted is the firefighters are sitting in the back, their Scott pack or their air pack that they use on fires, and their gear is all behind them in their seat. hmm The clean cab concept is all this, their their air tank is going to be put in a compartment outside Uh so they're not sitting in the cab every time they're driving in the truck and breathing in all these carcinogens. That's smart. So they have a clean set of turnouts in there. We'll probably have bags that the turnouts are going to go in Mm -hmm. that they just unzip so they're not breathing in any other carcinogens while they're driving around. We've already converted one of our trucks to a clean cab and... The difference in the smell while you're sitting in the back of the truck is amazingly <laughs> different. You sit in a I truck that imagine. has the smell of smoke that you, we just get so used to, you don't even sure. notice, it is completely, it's, I shouldn't say completely, ninety probably 95% eliminated on wow. the clean cab. And it's, it's unbelievable. We just had a senator come and uh, talk to one of our crews at Station 3 about what we're doing on cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, so we brought the clean cab over, and he sat in the truck, and he said, I was in a truck the other day. And this smells amazingly different wow. and, and less of the, the just the smoke smell that's there. So the
0: clean cab design, is that something specific to Mesa?
1: No, this is going to be all over the country. So the, awesome. the vendors, in fact, our new trucks on order mm-hmm. are coming in as clean cab. Cool. This was the first one we converted, but mm-hmm. uh, this one, the ones we are on order are coming in as clean cab. So that they'll make compartments for our air packs in the back and the sides of the truck. Other things we're doing for cancer are now when they get off of a fire, they have wipes on the truck. They wipe off the smoke from their skin because uh-huh. a lot of these carcinogens are absorbed through the skin. Sure. We keep our SCBAs on longer. They wear masks even when they're cleaning up. They wear gloves when they're washing the hose and all that. So all these uh, carcinogens and all these elements aren't tra- mm-hmm. you know transferred from sure. their skin into their into their sure. bloodstream. So so much more we're doing screenings and offering more and more screenings to be keep available for um preventative you know mm-hmm. if you could catch something early on to sure. prevent it from spreading that's part of the goal too so oh, that's great all, yeah there's a there's quite a few things and we're continuing to work on that we continue to work on um as a valley in a region mm-hmm. what we can do at best practices for that we don't wear our shoes in the station or the shoes that you're walking around in mm-hmm. your boots none of that stuff comes in the station anymore good just to kind of prevent the spread of, of sure. germs yeah. smoke all those things that makes sense yeah
0: well, well good i'm glad to hear that everybody's taking this seriously and moving
1: forward. In fact, uh, there's a press conference Thursday morning on uh, presumptive cancer for firefighters at the Capitol. Awesome. That we'll be attending as well.
0: Very good. Mm. How can Mesa Fire and Medical Social Media programs provide a service to the community? You do a lot of social media. Maybe not you personally, but your your team.
1: My team. Yes, my team. I would be a a sad (laughs) replacement. (laughs) To put things on social but, media, but, but they do a lot, and they do a lot of really good posts. They do, and and really, what they try to do is let the public know what Mesa Fire does on a regular mm-hmm. basis, whether it's citizen recognition, whether it's safety tips out there that we're doing, what's to come. But they do a lot of things in terms of um, even our pool safety program, mm-hmm. anything in that arena. Also, we've advised people when there's bad accidents, road closures, and right. you know, transportation does that too. But we try and do our part because if people are looking at our site sure. for information, we try and share all of that we. We can, but basically, we want to keep through social media um, incidents that they need to be aware of safety messages. Because so much we learn so much. Sometimes we go on calls that are repetitive. Let me let me use this example: candle fires. Not everybody knows that if we went to five fires in a row, they were started with candles. We will put out a safety message on candles. Yeah, if that's the case. Sure. Christmas trees. You know, if we've had fires from Christmas trees or Christmas lights, we will let the public know. Hey. Be aware, make sure you don't leave your live tree in right. too long because one spark can cause that thing to go up in flames right. because we've experienced it. Mm-hmm. So when we see patterns of something, our PIO division is really, really good at making sure the public knows, hey, be cautious of this because it could sure. happen. Or even if it happened before, we remind people just to prevent it from right. happening. Again, that's the most important thing. If we could prevent something from happening, we've done our job.
0: Very nice. How does the fire department collect data and data? What do you what do you do with it? How does it help provide a better service to the community? Right.
1: So now we say that almost every decision we make in the fire department is a data driven decision. So we collect our data on calls, call type, uh, anything that helps us to focus on what we need. If we need more trucks, how many calls are we going on? What's the mileage on our trucks? You know, mm-hmm. what is the longevity of our trucks? We already have a system in place that we know how long we keep a truck and how long we keep it frontline, how long we keep it a reserve. But now we're gathering data on. Can we extend those times? Mm -hmm. Is it in the best interest of, it's always safety's number one. Mm -hmm. Is that going to be better or worse? You know, how many trucks do we need in the fleet based on data? Uh, How many trucks do we need to respond on calls based on data? Where should our units be placed in the city based on data? Mm -hmm. And we just did a major redeployment model not long ago based on data. Uh, Our new fire stations that are coming up, the next two stations that are being built, the one in Eastmark uh, that should be built, it should be done by June of twenty one. Um, the location of that was based on exactly where the where the trajectory of where the <laughs> sure. call volume will right. be in you know th- yeah, five years. Yeah, it's
0: a very busy area. Yeah,
1: a, a very busy area. And, our, and then the next station that will be built, station 22 is in the area of Power and McClellan based on the data, mm-hmm. showing where the data is going, where the next block of calls or sure. the, the volume of calls is going to be showing up. So really, uh, data is a very, very valuable tool for us and how we read it and how we manage our data. And really, and you have to say that and that's why when we train our firefighters and telling them, really, the data you put into that system on calls and the type of call mm-hmm. is so important because we're using all of that data to make decisions. And so it's, it's neat because it's all confirmed and you look at numbers and you can't deny when you see numbers and right. volumes. And this right. that's what speaks volumes. Sure. And so we use, we use data in the fire service now for everything we do, even in terms of um, like when we do heart monitors, when we, we evaluate mm-hmm. the different types of heart calls we go on, the different type of patients we go on, what kind of training do we need to do? Because we're going on a lot of patients that have, are experiencing this these days. Mm -hmm. We need to do these kind of, you Mm -hmm. know, this kind of training. So it's, it's so very well rounded in terms of where we use the data. I don't think there's one area in, the de- in our department that is not utilizing data somehow, some way to make decisions for the future. It's good to hear. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting.
0: If you can track it, you should use it. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. If it's there and it's going to paint a picture for us of what we need right. and it defends what we need, I think it's important we continue in that, in that realm.
0: Very good. Talk about the opportunities for volunteers within Mesa Fire and Medical
1: we have a. In fact, we just had our volunteer dinner on Thursday night mm-hmm. to recognize our wonderful, amazing volunteers. Uh, we have over 100 volunteers in many different areas. Probably our most uh, popular volunteer area is our Connector Program. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones that go out in the community and they help with stranded motorists. And they help like after the fire, after the emergency, like getting the families connected with Red Cross and things like that. They're there to help outside of the emergency, anything that needs to be done. And there's so much stuff that needs to be done on these kind of calls. We also have our, our CERT program, mm-hmm. our emergency response team, right. and those folks, they go through training about if there's a big disaster in your city, how can they be of help in their neighborhoods and things mm-hmm. like that, so they sure. get additional training, which is amazing. And um, then we have our grief support. So when we have a terrible call that occurs and someone lost a loved one on a call, our grief support goes out and stays with the family. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, it just amazes me how folks are so giving to the fire department and volunteering of their time yeah. to be part of these programs that you know that's not a comfortable situation sure but they are so good at it and really help the families during these times because once we're there and we assess the scene and e- even if we take somebody to the hospital and the person still passes away mm-hmm. our grief support is there for the family yeah. on a, on a regular basis and it's just very helpful for the family to know that someone's there for them that understands and you right. know understands what they're going sure. through and so there's several different areas and then we also have our health and safety team And those are folks that go into homes for the elderly and they do like home inspections Uh and they will put in pull bars for Oh, if we go on, on places that, uh, where you have someone that falls a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, a rug when you're 50 is not an issue, but a rug when you're 90, it could be a trip hazard, you know, so they go in the house and they kind of check to see if there's any, um, trip hazards, things like that. But also our team will install pull bars in there. They will put things, yeah, to kind of help. So they don't fall, or mm-hmm. help them to get up when they're, you know, sitting trying to get in the tub or things sure. like that. So, yeah, we have we have a well-rounded group of volunteers that do amazing work for us. Which I don't know what we did before <laughs> they even came around. I don't know how we did it. Well, before. if somebody
0: was interested in volunteering, I assume there's a page on your website absolutely that talks about the different opportunities.
1: Absolutely, go to the website and look at uh, Mesa Fire Department and then the volunteer program, and there'll be a lot of options there for you. Great.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming in today. Anything else you want to mention today? Because I know we're going to have you back again. Yeah, no, I think we covered a lot of ground here. <laughs>
1: You're going to know everything about the fire department here in a couple more podcasts.
0: Well, and if they can't get and it from a
1: podcast, they can always go to the Citizens Academy, right? Absolutely. Thank you for that plug. You're yes. welcome. And we'll be advertising when that's coming up. Do you have the date yet? No, Did they I don't give not the, the date. So we're going to be setting the date here. It'll be this year. Uh, this will be our third one. Yeah. And we are so excited. We have a full house each time we put this together and the chamber's been wonderful working with us on the citizens academy
0: it's great for anybody that thinks they know something about mesa fire medical because we don't as citizens until you go through something like that or you're connected somehow to one of the volunteer programs maybe you really don't have
1: any idea of all the different work that your team does Right. And I think it's, you're right. And that's exactly, you said it perfectly. I think sometimes getting a little in-depth information about, you know, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. what the public doesn't, doesn't generally see. And we want to show you, we want the public to see what we do. We have yeah. nothing to hide. We want great. to show you. And I like to show off our folks. We have great folks there and you it's too. always fun to show them off yeah. and uh, they do a great job. And I think anybody who attends the Citizens Academy will find it very um, rewarding in terms of learning more about the fire department.
0: Ah, That's awesome. Mary, thanks for coming in today to the Inside Business Podcast. You can find all of our episodes of the Inside Business Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or your own favorite podcast website. You can also find them online at mesachamber.org.